What's up? And thank you for once again tuning into the Video Game Mythos podcast. As always in this podcast, we jump into the abyss and peruse to the backstories of some of video games' most beloved characters. Where do we get these characters and ideas, you might be asking? <laughs> well, you curious little rascal, you. I will tell you. Our ideas, that comes from you, the listener. Yes, I know. That is a lot of responsibility to put on your plate. You have to really think about it. Email michael at 13palmtrees.com, message us on Facebook, or tweet at us on Twitter at VG Mythos. I know, we are putting a lot on your plate, but I promise you, if we work together, we can get through this. And I know you can do it because every episode you've listened to so far has been submitted by someone who is a fan of this show. And for that, we can do nothing but say thank you. Thank you, because Video Game Mythos has been climbing the listener charts like crazy. Thank you, because we have been growing so much and are always getting new ideas. And most of all, thank you for providing the motivation to keep on doing what we love doing, creating this awesome podcast. While we're on the topic of awesome podcasts, if you are listening and you like what you hear, maybe you'd be interested in hearing some of our other shows on the 13 Palm Trees Network. We here at 13 Palm Trees work very hard to keep our content fresh, consistent, and interesting, and we have a variety of shows that you should check out. Other than Video Game Mythos, we have Wasted Local Talent, which much like Fallout 76, is based right here in our home state of West Virginia. Daniel and Jed, and occasionally myself, interview bands and businesses from the West Virginia area and help everyone learn a little about them while getting them a little bit of exposure in the process. We have D&D Kinda, where myself, Michael, DMs for a group of friends and lead them on a completely custom D&D 5e campaign written by yours truly. We are seven episodes in and the story is really picking up. Listen to episode one and see how you like it. I think you will love it, so let us know what you think. Last but not least, our newest show that has hit the 13 Palm Trees Network is Gurus of Gaming. Myself, as well as Roger, Ryan, and Josh Folmsby break open the news and get down and dirty in the video game knowledge dropping knowledge bombs on the listeners like crazy, so prepare yourself. So check out those shows and let us know what you think. Before we jump into this episode, a quick announcement. We have merchandise coming for this show. And not just this show, each show on our network. Stay tuned on our social medias for pictures, and if you are interested, let us know. We can make sure that we can outfit you in some of the most comfortable and coolest shirts there are literally available on the market. And now, let's step out of this world and into the somber and cataclysmic world of everyone's favorite form of punishment, the world of Dark Souls. Imagine a lifeless world shrouded in fog. There are no signs of life. The landscape is an empty blend of gray and black jagged rock crags and endless stone arched trees. There's no sign of anything, not even death. To see death would imply life was present. Pure, empty despair fills the colorless, endless plains of Lordran. The Age of the Ancients, as it is known, for as long as history can tell. This was a time that was ruled by the fiercely powerful, everlasting dragons. They ruled the unformed world with complete dominion, 
allowing nothing to change. These massive dragons, spanning hundreds, sometimes thousands of feet, towered over the land with stone scales, bristled fur, and two foreboding horns. Their terrifying jaws were lined with two rows of razor-sharp teeth on both jaw. None could challenge their might, and for countless ages, they ruled over the land. To quote the game, but then there was fire, and with fire came disparity, heat and cold, life and death, and of course, light and dark. Then, from the dark they came, and found the souls of lords within the flame. The event that we speak of is now known as the Advent of Fire. When the flame settled, from the ashes rose humanoid creatures called hollows. These creatures found souls within the flames, and from these souls they took on the powers that defined them. With the strength of these souls, which are godlike powers, four figures were born of flame. The Witch of Isolith, the Furtive Pygmy, Gravelord Nido, and Gwyn, the Lord of Sunlight. With this power and might, the lords rose and challenged the everlasting dragons for dominion of Lordran, and in perfect synchronicity, Gwyn, the Lord of Sunlight, used his lightning bolts to peel away the dragon's stone scales. The witch and her daughters of chaos wove great firestorms, and Nido, the first of the dead, unleashed a miasma of death and disease. The battle raged on, but eventually it came to an end. The aftermath of the war left the lords victorious, but the lands more barren and lifeless than before. But using their powers and working together, the lords rebuilt the world and brought the Age of Fire. When Lordwin was rebuilt, forests flourished, and water populated the world with life. Gwyn, the Lord of Sunlight, became the King of Lordran. And what is a king without his royal knights? In the beginning, Gwyn's army comprised solely of silver knights, and once were demons, and once the demons were born from the darkness and the abyss, the silver knights fought them endlessly, mutating them into the black knights that roam Lordran today. But for when we truly needed the help of worthy fighters, he caught upon a unit of his own creation, the four knights of Gwyn. This powerful unit consists of only the most daunting of fighters that have walked Lordran. Amongst them are Dragonslayer Ornstein, the captain of the guard whose mighty spear could break the largest of rocks. Hawkeye Gao, commander of the Dragonslayers. Lord Blade Siren, the assassin. And the legendary knight and swordsman. And the star of our episode. Artorius the Abysswalker.
In time, the flame began to fade and the age of the lords was ending, and the dark age of man was to begin. Afraid of losing their power, a servant of evil, Koth, who tempted the kings with the ability to drain humanity as a reward for their service. The ultimate goal is to return all humanity to the abyss as all fragments of humanity are pieces of the almighty Dark Soul. Being corrupted with power, the kings, one by one, fell to darkness, and the knights of New Londo were transformed into dark wraiths who plagued the remaining humans for their humanity for the sake of their gods holding on to power. As the first flame continued to fade, the deities of Anorlando began to leave the kingdom of the gods. The Abyss, being fed humanity from the life-draining power of the gods, grew more and more powerful each day. And as it grew and escaped, threatening all lives and beings in Lordran, Lord Gwyn issued a last command to Artorius to hold off the spread of the Abyss. And so, Artorius, with his faithful companion, the great wolf Sif at his side, met the great threat in Uasil and fought the Abyss. Artorius, with the power to traverse the Abyss, met it head on and fought with his companion at his side. But one night was no match against the darkness of the Abyss. The Abyss fought ferociously and Artorius's arm was shattered. Knowing he would be defeated in this state, he looked back at his wolf companion, gave him one final nod, and shielded Sif with the power of his great shield. Sif was saved from the Abyss and returned to Lordran, but Artorius was swallowed by the Abyss and was gone. Hundreds of years later, the Chosen Undead, which is the player, is awoken in the Undead Asylum. As you escape from the Undead Asylum and travel to Lordran, your character is oblivious to the lore of Lordran, or the gods that shape the paths that you walk today. As you progress, and eventually make your way to the Darkroot Basin, you stumble upon a massive stone archway shrouded with the fog of war, foreboding of a boss battle. And as you traverse the white light, you see a massive white wolf, towering 15 to 20 feet in the air, rush towards you with a sword in his mouth. This is not an easy boss fight. Normally boss battles tend to start using new attacks or tactics. Their health is low, but Sif starts limping and whining in pain. What was a thrilling battle mere moments ago suddenly turns into a grim execution as the player is forced to put Sif out of her misery, all while she continues to try and fight, refusing to let the player on the sacred ground of her master's grave that she was guarding. What the player doesn't know that when fighting this wolf, that this giant was the companion of the great knight Artorius, and the area of which the wolf is guarding is the grave of Artorius. Now that fight, Right off the bat, there are several reasons why the fight against Sif stands out. First off, you're fighting a giant wolf. A giant wolf who isn't content to just use their teeth and claws. She's actually using the sword of her dead owner, Artorius. 
and wields it by clutching the handle in her mouth. The location of Artorias' tomb, which is where you fight Sif, is also located deep in an identically quiet forest, casting an eerie sort of ominousness over the fight. As dedicated Dark Souls fans know, you don't have to kill every boss in a Souls game if you don't want to. Some bosses are merely meant to act as an optional challenge for brave players, with the decision of whether they live or die having no impact on the game's story. But in yet another cruel twist, the developers at From Software decided to not put Sif in that category of optional. Killing Sif is the only way to get your hands on the Covenant of Artorias, which is needed to defeat one of Dark Souls' four gatekeeper bosses. So having to kill Sif in order to finish the game is bad enough, but it gets even worse if you decide to play through the optional DLC before playing the main storyline. In the Dark Souls DLC, the player is taken back in time 200 years to the events talked about above. Through both the DLC's narrative and snippets of info gleaned in the main campaign, the player learns that Artorias and Sif ventured deep underground to an area called the Abyss to slay a primordial evil named Manus, but they failed. The player must eventually battle the corrupted Artorias as part of a DLC progression, slaying him for good before venturing down into the abyss and killing Manus themselves. This is a heartbreaking battle because what you know of the character Artorias, he is corrupted attempting to save the world and you were forced to end his life, ending his suffering as a servant of the abyss, an honorable ending at the hand of the chosen undead. An optional encounter which players can stumble across while in the abyss involves finding the young Sif saving her from the group of enemies. As thanks, she could then be summoned to aid the player during the fight against Manus, teaming up with the player to finish what she and Artorias started. So that's all well and good. It's a really cool backstory, but all in all, it's DLC, so it changes nothing about the game, right? Nope. From Software decided to use the presence of the DLC to make the fight against Sif even more tragic. If you fight Sif, after killing Manus, a different opening cinematic plays. One in which Sif actually recognizes your character. Sif and the player's character share a brief moment of fond recollection, but without a word being uttered, you suddenly see a shift in Sif's demeanor. She recognizes you as a long-lost ally, but she also recognizes that despite what you did for her so many years ago, she cannot allow you to desecrate best friend Artorias's grave. If you thought having to finish off the visibly and audibly wounded Sif was bad enough, having to kill her with the knowledge that you're also killing a dear friend who had no other choice than to fight you is even worse. The fight against Sif is just a small part of the larger Dark Souls storyline, but is also one of the strongest examples of how the Souls series manages to subvert so many traditional elements of video game design. By showing that boss characters are capable of feeling and expressing pain, From Software turns the traditional nature of boss fights completely on its head, challenging the players to pause and think about the deeper consequences of their actions. While it's a relatively minor part of the grand scheme of the Dark Souls' grim narrative, the battle against Sif and the story of Artorias proves that games can knock us on our feet with more than just punishing difficulty. The real difficulty 
is facing the fact that you, the player, are forced to kill the best friend of a man who sacrificed his humanity, the man who sacrificed his life for the sake of all who live in Lordran. And not only was Sif attempting to stop you from desecrating her best friend's grave, but she was also trying to stop you from being able to traverse the abyss. Artorius sacrificed his life to save you and Sif, only to have Sif's life taken, and the great wolf companion's only fault was that she was a man's best friend. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode. Man, this one was really sad as well, and I'm sorry, but don't blame me. Blame Alex Lilly for recommending this character to us. And now it's your turn. Please, take the time to submit a character. We have tons in the works, but we are always looking for new stuff. So get involved now. And also, one final request. Leave us a review on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. This helps us immensely, but what helps us the most is for you to tell a friend about the show. You love it, so maybe they will too. But you know what I love? You. It's you. Look in your mirror right now. Damn, you are one beautiful bastard. And I love you. Thanks for listening to Video Game Mythos.